Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Today I'm joined by Simon Lingloy, the CEO and co-founder of Stamped Technologies. Stamped is a modern accounting firm leveraging technology to give small and medium businesses fast audit experiences by automating the repetitive and clerical work involved in auditing. Before founding Stamp, Simon spent six years auditing at PwC and was the first head of finance at Poker, helping the founders raise six and a half million in two rounds. It's my pleasure to welcome the Accounting Leaders podcast, Simon Langloy. Simon, tell me what your PwC experience was like. Well, perhaps first, let's let's go back before that. Did you, growing up in Quebec City, you went to college or university, as uh, as us Commonwealth would often call it. Yep. So uh, here we have uh, what they call CEGEP. So like it's like the equivalent of prep school in the US. So you do five years of high school and then uh, CEGEP for two or three years, depending on your program, and then you go to university. So I've always uh, stayed local. So I played uh, football, American football for 10 years. So uh, played local high school and then played for uh, CEGEP uh, St. FX and then uh, Laval University as well. Wow. And uh, so you played American football in Quebec. Yeah. In Montreal. How, how, what's the league like in Montreal? Are they, they pretty serious or? Yes. Uh, so, um, and in Quebec City as well, like we, uh, we had the like provincial uh, league. So like it was the best school from all over the province of Quebec that were competing together. And we had like pretty decent uh, football player that came out of the province of Quebec. One of the, uh, most notorious is uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardy, who played for the Chiefs at Kansas City and is now with the Jets. So, like, he played in Montreal for... Uh, Say the name again. Laurent Duvernay-Tardy. So, it's like the oh. Frenchiest name in the NFL. Is The one is also a doctor. Ah, <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And which position is... So, he's with the Jets now. Which position? Is he offense or defense? Uh, I think he's... Uh, his offense is, I think, his right guard on the offensive line. Right. Where did you play? I played left tackle until I reached university because, you know, I've always been the biggest of my team and one of the biggest of the league. But when you reach university level, it's the biggest of all, you know, <laughs> uh, of all leagues. So, uh, yeah, I was a bit uh, short to play as a tackle. So I was moved to the inside uh, line. But I had to uh, stop uh Early in my football career, I had two bad surgeries for on my shoulders. So, yeah, shoulders are useful when you play as offensive linemen. <laughs> I'm going to say, like, that's almost guaranteed as a tackle, right? Like shoulder surgery and... Yeah. Oh, it's a tough game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you learn most out of your football career? I would say uh, <laughs> I definitely learned more on the football field than I did in school. I think playing competitive sport is what's prepare you the most for the business world or like just the, the, the real life after school. So basically, I've learned everything from grit to commitment, discipline. Those are all the, the lifelong learning I, I did in those uh, 10 years. And stop before you need surgery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As an Aussie, um, not knowing much about the game and, and now being here 10 years, I still remember it. At high school, you know, we we would um, gather the rules off as best we could off uh, off the TV, and we'd go and play at lunchtime. 
<laughs> no pads, no helmets, no none of that, none of that sissy stuff, right? And so, so it was a rugby-ish American. Yeah, yeah, in. exactly. <laughs> and we'd go. I still remember coming into maths class like covered in blood. <laughs> you know, white prep school. You know, preppy sort of shirts and our purple tie and everything, and just <laughs> yeah, I still remember running as a running back catching. I caught it and um, ran into the biggest kid in our class and just went down like a sack of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, hit my nose on his head or something. It was just – but the most important thing was I'm pretty sure I caught it. Well, I'm going to tell the story like I caught it anyway, (laughs) but that was my NFL career. But um, being here, we have a family, uh, you know, five o'clock – I wouldn't say ritual, but we we'll often sit down at five o'clock on a Sunday and uh, watch Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. But I don't think that's going to happen this next season, is it? Uh, not sure. I'm not really following the NFL anymore. So like once I've stopped, yeah, once I've stopped, I've kind of yeah <laughs> turned my my back on the football. Not not really, but yeah, I'm, I've always been like too busy, and I've always loved sports in general. But uh, watching on TV, it's not my my cup of tea. Do you play anything to keep your uh, mind off things these days? Recently, I had a personal trainer uh, to just get back uh, a bit more on the uh, physical activities. Uh, I've been pretty uh, deep on, on building stamps over the past four years, so uh, I've kind of put my, my health aside and uh, focused on the business and family. So um, I decided to put myself uh, a bit uh, ahead in 2022 and uh, lose a bit of excess weight and just be healthier in general so I can keep pushing for the business because at some point you, you know what it is. The business will only go as as far as the founder can bring it. So you need to be in shape physically and mentally. So After college, after university, what um, was your first job at PwC? Is that is that sort of the career path? Yeah. So it was my first real uh, corporate job. I've been, you know, I've had a lot of student crappy job that are not worth mentioning, but uh, my first corporate job was at PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, in the Audit Nations Group, obviously. So I did a uh, bachelor degree in accounting. Uh, so I was hired during my uh, bachelor degree as an intern. So did summer internship, winter internship during busy season. Learned a ton of things as the CPA exam in Canada in 2013, and then did a year in uh, corporate finance business restructuration with uh, you know companies in insolvency situation and stuff like that. Those who think uh, it's a bad uh, you know bad context to work for your client as an auditor, I've never worked as an insolvency professional uh, forced by the bank. So like it's the worst context ever. You want to collaborate with a business. So didn't really enjoy that. So and then um, I did a jump in a tech startup here in Quebec City called Poca. They're still in business. So um, it was a tech company that built an app for a manufacturing company allowing uh, plant workers to more easily share their soft knowledge. So basically, they were replacing those big binder of procedures in manufacturing plan by you know video archive. Like it was a mix of Facebook and YouTube for manufacturing companies. It was a really great experience for me because I had to kind of step away of the traditional accounting. I was more of a jack of all trades. So I've touched a a lot of aspects of the business, such as fundraising, legal, corporate finance, uh, sales. Uh, So I was really kind of helping the founders 
any way I could. I stayed at POCA for two years. We raised two rounds of funding for a total of $6.5 million. Grew the team to like 32 employees. But then I just realized that I was not the kind of CPA that was enjoying, enjoying doing payroll every two weeks and monthly reporting update for the investors. I felt it was kind of getting redundant. So, um, and, and that my kind of learning curve was stopping. And at the time I was uh, just 28. So I was not enjoying being in that position. So I decided to go back at PricewaterhouseCoopers. And basically it's kind of by adding both of my background from my two years at POCA and my kind of four year or five years prior to POCA in audit and assurance that kind of led to the idea of building STEM basically. So it's, uh, it's really a culmination of everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about Stamped. So Stamped.ai is an, is an accounting firm that uses technology to provide predominantly uh, small businesses, I assume, small business clients with uh, their financial and corporate tax prep and, and related systems, right? So tell me the genesis of the idea and when you started and start at the start for us. Basically, when I was at POCA, I was the only person in the finance department uh, for a 22-person company. So it was getting a bit overwhelming, but like I was able to kind of efficiently manage the finance of the company through cloud-based product, right? So this is kind of through my journey at POCA that I discovered. I started to touch to the, you know, what they call the, the CFO tech stack or finance tech stack. Uh, so basically QBO and the likes and DEX and, you know, all those apps that integrate together to kind of provide a efficient bookkeeping stack. Uh, so when I went back at PricewaterhouseCoopers afterward, I was kind of shocked to realize that even after two years of the audit and seeing how the bookkeeping and accounting world has evolved in terms of automation and integration, I was really shocked to see that auditors were still, you know, spending like 60, 70% of their time in Excel, trying to reconciliate different databases together and vouch uh, PDF invoices. I was like, okay, like, is it necessary to use like CPAs and MBA grads to do this type of job, right? I think, uh, sorry for other CPAs who can or who may listen, but like it's a job that a well-trained monkey can do, right? So it's really a, a job that a well-trained monkey could do. There's a lot of well-trained monkeys out there. I mean, you, you can do a lot with a monkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, believe it or not. Uh, so, and then I just start to kind of reflect on, on the status of the uh, audit and assurance uh, industry and start noticing customer issues, but also auditors' issues. Like there's a crazy high turnover rate in, in the large audit firm on the market. And even the in, and I would say in every audit firm right now. So like, it's pretty hard to retain the staff because the job is just not fun to do, right? You need to go through a three years of redundant and repetitive work until you kind of reach the seniority level where you will be more reviewing the work than doing the work. And then you keep like climbing up the ladder until you reach hopefully one day the partner's role. But it's like if the new generation of CPA are not like willing to do this leap of faith of climbing the ladder one at a time until like you reach partner after 15, 20 years now, because it looks like every year big firms kind of takes more time to promote people at partner status. On one end, we were facing the staff shortage and the high turnover rate. And on the customer side, they were like, look, I'm using all this technology. Why do I need to extract all my information at Erin in Excel to provide it to you so you can work in your legacy system using Excel files? So basically, I started to kind of dig in, uh, you know, this 
not API economy, but like in this interconnected uh, environment where basically in the US you can kind of gusto with uh, QuickBooks and DEX and like you have a pretty efficient tech stack where everything, every system is kind of communicate independently together. But basically when your auditor or your CPA come in at year end, they want Excel files, right? Because they don't talk API game or they don't talk in the JSON file language. So it's like if all this innovation was dying for a few weeks, a few months at year end, just to deal with your your year end CPA, right? So we're basically building an app that will integrate with all the commonly used application by the SMEs. And instead of doing a manual compliance check, uh, we'll just make sure that your company stay year end ready all year round, basically. So we'll just investigate all the transaction, identify potential outliers, and then investigate it right away instead of waiting for year ends to do the work. There is a lot of theory over the years, you know, particularly since the online general ledger took over from, you know, the desktop ledger. I mean, that's probably the the most significant change in technology, advancement in technology, you know, in the accounting industry over the last sort of 15 years or so. And there is a lot of theory around, well, you know, like what, why do we, we don't really need the bookkeepers anymore and we, we can elevate everybody up the value chain because the computer can do all the, the you know, the rec, reconciliation, as you would say. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't try my French accent. The computer can do the reconciliation, right? And so, but, you know, it hasn't really turned out that way so far. What do you think is holding back? you know, that significant advancement. Technology play is more about enabling human than eradicating human from the process, right? Because there will always be an invoice that hasn't been properly scanned, that is hard to read, that needs to be classified by a human. There will always be like a transaction triggered by a 10 or 15 page contract that you need an actual human to go through and kind of grasp the nature and the substance of the contract to properly record it. So I think technology just allows the industry of accounting to address the staff shortage problem. Like you're you're speaking with a lot of, of accountants, obviously, but like every bookkeeping firm are almost turning down clients because they're too solicit. Uh, same thing with audit firms and CPA firm. Everyone is looking to hire people, but it's just almost impossible to do in, in this crazy market right now. So like I see technology as a way to augment the human capabilities and make sure that we can provide and answer the actual demand because it is a quite stable demand. It's just that to me, I've seen a, a significant decline in the supply basically. And there's also a, there's a, a dichotomy here, right? With accountants that, you know, perhaps don't come through the bookkeeping and the audit and assurance path. And you said it before, you know, like not, I mean, there's not that many people that want to sort of hang around and for 25 years to be partner. <laughs> I wonder why. And so there's a, there's a gap in skill sets as well. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, the staff shortage, like even being a partner, when, once you've reached that holy grail of being partner at a big four firm, you're now like, uh, you know, the, the pyramid has kind of flattened out. So like now I know big four partner that are kind of getting involved back again in the file and like do actual work because 
associate and, and seniors are not willing to work 80 hours anymore per week. So like if you want to meet the deliverables deadline, you'd like partners and senior manager needs to be involved again, like at, on the ground floor. So like it's uh, it must be pretty uh, harsh to kind of have worked so hard in your life <laughs> to reach that that given holy grail. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden you're back down the back down the totem pole. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, and you're right. But I think it's like, um, in terms of, of skill set, I think, um, especially when you, when a company needs to be audited or reviewed, you need to be uh, compliant with, with the gap, right. With the general accepted accounting principle. And, most bookkeeping firm have a focus on the tax requirements. So like there's a lot of, uh, you know, adjustment that needs to be done to meet gap requirements that, you know, basically the banks will rely on to take, you know, lending decision or investor will, or investors. So like it's, um, I think there's a clear segregation between the role of the bookkeeper and the role of the, of the CPA. And clearly on the CPA side, like when you fall into the, the gap world, uh, there's clearly abundant opportunities for automation but there's also like other situation where uh, you need to record you know stock option plan like it's not going to happen anytime soon that an ai will take care of that because it's a pretty complex and technical problem that involves different calculation and assumptions so and there's other like situation where you know let's say your company closed a round of funding and you need to go through 400 pages of closing docs to understand the transaction and what happens and stuff like that. It's another hard problem to solve. But like when you think more of the mechanical part of getting assurance on revenues, expenses, and cash in and cash outs, this represents quite a fair uh, you know, proportion of the time spent on the audit, but this is highly automatable, right? We're talking about sort of the genesis of Stamped and and how it came about, that all makes sense. Is sort of trying to use computers where computers are best and take out some of the the low-end work. What's been your experience as a founder and of accounting software so far? Really interesting. Uh, some days, uh, actually, every day are pretty challenging, and but, like, at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's the most uh, rewarding job I had, like, to have the opportunity to create something that might change, like, a whole industry is... Uh, like as I've always been the the goal, and it's always fun to kind of get signed that you're slowly but surely getting there. Like it's uh, you know, as we were saying on the football field, it's uh, one inch at a time, right? Uh, some play you can throw a home run and score a touchdown on one try, but sometimes you'll just move the ball. All you need is three yards uh, per play, right? And you'll get a first down. So <laughs> it's uh, slowly but surely moving, uh, getting momentum. But what has been like particularly challenging uh, from the inception of the company is actually like running, like building the technology while running the service component of Stamped as well, because we we're actually the signatory of the financial statement of our clients, right? We're, we're not selling our technology to traditional CPA firm. We're actually kind of a new breed of, of accounting firm that is tech-enabled. So half of our team are software engineer. The other half is uh, CPA. And together, we're trying to combine the best of, of AI and human knowledge to deliver world-class audit assurance services. Yeah, and so what do you think about so if you're building this technology for for your own use, how do you get the the broad array of clients that you need in order to sort of build the models and the 
and the learning systems in order to ensure you know accuracy and correctness? Access to data is will always be the challenge of an AI company. I think being a tech-enabled service company allows us to actually get the data in a context where, like the client, he wants he hired us to provide it to and certify this financial statement and prepare his corporate tax return, right? So it's the perfect context to get access to the data. Whereas, like if we were not providing the service, uh, not sure if like SMBs would be willing to share the data just to allow us to build models. So. We're always like starting with a bottom-up approach, like or start slow and accelerate afterwards. So like we're basically starting with rule bases and then the software like will, based on those rules, will perform certain selection or identify certain transaction. And then the selection will be confirmed or denied by the CPA. And this is kind of where we benefit from the human in the loop system that we're building basically. So we're not like, obviously it will be useful to have like 10 eggs of data that we have now, but like we'll get there slowly but surely by getting more traction and acquiring more client to to serve. And as that happens, our model will become more and more intelligent basically over time. So because beside that, like the data acquisition, I think would be a real struggle because SMBs will not be sharing their accounting data just for the sake of it, right? So how many staff now and where are you going to take Stamped and and what what are your hopes and dreams? (laughs) Right now, we're a team of 27. Yeah, 27. We have a 10 person on the engineering side, which there's three person focus on building AI and machine learning model. And we have one person dedicated to, for the cells and myself. So the rest is like 14 accountants basically working on providing client services. And where we want to bring the company uh, as far as we can, but Basically, I clearly see like an opportunity and like, yeah, so we all need a vision, right? And, and uh, shooting for Mars, if you miss, you'll land on the moon. So I clearly see like an opportunity where um, 70% of the financial statement in North America could be issued through STEM. So either as STEM, as, a, as the signatory of the financial statement or as a white label for other uh, CPA firm, because we have a very niche type of clients that we want to onboard. So like the, 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 basically we want to deal with companies that have embraced cloud technology, but basically our technology could be used by other CPA firm to deal with more traditional client as well, because you can just import a spreadsheet into stamped and facing the staff shortage. Typical firm will use caseware that currently provide very low level of automation for them. So like we could start, you know, start to license them as a white label product for any large audit firm that will not basically be competing to because they are serving way too bigger clients for us. Basically, we're kind of having set in goals for the size of companies we want to serve. And above that, it's like either too complex or too risky or both and too uh, human intensive, basically. So we're, uh, uh, I see an opportunity to be on one end, becoming a very large audit and insurance firm while also licensing our technology for, you know, other firms that we're not directly competing with. So you reckon that there's there's an opportunity there to white label uh, stamped in, into other firms and how are you going about that? What do you, have you spoken to 
other firms and so you think it's a competitor caseware and and start taking out legacy software that'd be great <laughs> yes because uh you know just like excel i think there's a lot of uh, accountants that have a love hate relationship with you know legacy technology that are currently available obviously they would like more integration more automation more recommendation <laughs> so this is actually what we we want to provide and um We've had like discovery call, but like, you know, what it is like to discuss with big four firm. It's always like a years of discussion and, but it's okay because like, obviously, even if one of the big four were providing their blessing tomorrow, we wouldn't be necessarily ready to, to serve this kind of client, but it's always good to kind of better understand their, their need and where they see the industry evolving and what they're working on as well. Because as you know, at, at their scale, they have developers and internal developers that kind of work on proper technology as well. So it's always um, interesting to learn where they're going and what are their concerns. With everything that's going on and growing the firm and growing the technology, what have you learned so far about where the Canadian accounting industry is up to in terms of technology and the competitive landscape. You got wonderful firms like LiveCA and and Involta uh, and and these guys. Where do you think uh, Stamp fits into that landscape? Right. So we really want to focus on differentiating ourselves. One day on the audit nations. Right now we're kind of not competing against LiveCA because like they really deal with a they are a one-stop shop, right? They will serve customer with bookkeeping up to corporate tax return and and compilation engagement. Uh, right now, we're more partnering with you know smaller bookkeeping firm and smaller accounting firm that do not necessarily have a CPA house. So we kind of become their dedicated CPA partner where we have an app that integrate with their tech stack. They can provide a cloud-based services end-to-end with their clients. So we currently benefit from the support of, let's say, 40, 44, 45 uh, bookkeeping firm partner that use our app to manage their um, their clients year-end, basically. Right now, this is how we kind of scale. We, we present Stamped as an app that bookkeepers can use to efficiently manage corporate tax return, compilation engagement, and, and smaller engagement like that. And as we move up market and we focus more on review engagement and audit, then it will become kind of relevant to uh, you know start talking with uh, Envolta and LifeCA that you know kind of offer similar uh, services on the compilation and corporate tax return side of it, but they do not offer review and audit assurance services. You see yourself as sort of being able to add, being a, a value add to those kinds of services to tack on audit and assurance. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because like. Cloud-based bookkeeping firm want to build like processes, right? They will trade like a one-off 50 hours for four hours per month because it is predictable and scalable. And the problem with year-end services is that right now they have zero visibility on this part of the accounting lifecycle. Once they feel the books are ready, they send that over to the CPA and they just pray for not having too much question or too much involvement because when you like apply value pricing, obviously the more hour you will involve in year end, the lower your profitability on the engagement. So our goal is just to fit in their current operation and exchange a unknown annual commitment to a, let's say, 15, 20 minute commitment per month to investigate the few transactions that we may have identified. Yeah. 
No, that that makes complete sense. What? Um, so, so you're just Canada-based at the moment. Is there scope to sort of uh, expand through North America? Yes. Yeah, so we we want to cover North America. Uh, so we're currently in the process of entering the the US market. There's a few steps before we get there, but um, I've passed the um, the qualification exam uh, for the US. So I'm in the process of registering. Uh, to get the you know the US CPA designation and once that done uh, we'll be able to start operating the US so it should be done sometimes uh, in Q2 actually congratulations thanks a lot <laughs> once you get to the US then what's the competitive landscape look like do you think there's a lot of, of CPA firm right so it's a, it's a very uh, private industry but you know my research have shown that there's roughly about 50,000 CPA firm in North America offering audit and uh, like let's say year end compliance services so corporate tax and audit national services but my research have uh, also shown that there's not another stamped in the US right now so we're kind of the very first uh, taking down that route of, you know, being a tech-enabled provider of audit national services. You know, we're, we're closer to a trying to accomplish what Pilot or Bench has accomplished in the bookkeeping than, you know, being a... They, they've been like those two companies along with Botkeeper and stuff like that have been pretty inspirational so far. Uh, there's all a few years ahead of us uh, in terms of, of existence. So like it has been pretty cool to see them grow and see what they've been able to accomplish. And um, uh, yeah, we're, we're basically, this is kind of our destination as well. So what's next for Stamped? First, uh, we want to be able to operate in the U.S. Uh, because uh, it's funny because your U.S. notoriety will... Uh, like impact your Canadian one, but your Canadian authority does not improve your U.S. authority. So uh, as soon as we get there, we really want to kind of focus on, on building the brand in the U.S. We're also really double uh, doubling it down on the technology, obviously, because there's other firms that have tried to scale on humans and they're, they're really struggling. So we want to make sure that we have a sustainable scale-up through technology. We're really trying to get as much automation as we can on on the simple uh, services that I've described, so corporate tax return, compilation engagement, before starting to address the review and the audit, because basically, you know, it's always like the other level of certification is always built on the one below. So like you need to have a strong data pipeline to manage, you know, the connect, the different connection between the accounting system, the banking system, and how those data are being pulled and, and reconciled in, in our app basically before thinking to um, confidently move up market and start selling reviews and audit, which also represent, uh, you know, more exposure for the brand. Because, you know, it's much harder to fail a compilation than it is to fail a a review and audit. And the exposure is not the same, right? You don't want to blow up an audit that has like a 25 million debt that, of exposure. So it's a much bigger professional risk as well. So we want really want to make sure that we have the, you know, a good enough technology assistance before uh, going down that route. What's the exit plan for Stamp? Do you keep going and... Uh build a game-changing <laughs> uh, software company or you, f- you feel like that there's a natural exit somewhere? It's always kind of odd to think about the audit when you're just <laughs> you're just post-seed, but you know, the accounting industry is changing so, you know, so much. Uh, we never know where the acquisition can come from. You know, two years ago, there's a H&R blog that bought 
you know, wave accounting. So now H&R Block is not only like a tax service company, they now offer bookkeeping services through their platform wave. Uh, so who knows, maybe H&R Block uh, will want to be a full stack CPA firm and offer audit national services and they will buy us, you know, Intuit has a decent amount of service uh, revenues in their PNL nowadays with the addition of QBO Live. They have also like uh, tax services in, in Canada and the US. So like the acquisition might uh, might come from, from anywhere. Uh, could also be a big four firm that want to productize their SMB services. So yeah, there, there's multiple paths, but I'm just really focused on relieving bookkeepers and accountants from the pressure of year ends and and we'll see uh, where it gets us. <laughs> oh, well, Simon, that's been fascinating to learn about Stamped and, and where you're up to in the industry and, and the accountants in Canada are, are benefiting from your experience at PwC and the changing technology landscape is significant and you're contributing to it. So you should be very proud of your success so far. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thanks for that for for the good word, but yeah, sometimes uh job's not finished as uh yeah. as Kobe Bryant <laughs> once said, right? Job's not finished. <laughs> so uh <laughs> No, well thank you and uh good luck with Stamped and we look forward to uh to monitoring your your success. Right. Thanks for that uh, for having me on your podcast, uh, Stuart. It's really appreciated and looking forward to, uh, to meeting you in one of the accounting trade shows. That'd be wonderful. Thank you, Simon. Awesome. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a thousand free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com slash resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.